I'll tell you exactly what SEALs do. SEALs are masters of uncertainty. That is the job, right? The job is to be able to be dropped into environments of deep challenge and uncertainty and to perform whatever those environments may be. We're all human, right? So we kind of use the automobile analogy. We're all cars, okay? But some of us are Jeeps and some of us are Ferraris. Now there's no judgment in that because the Jeep can do things the Ferrari can't do and the, and the Ferrari can do things the Jeep can't do. The key, however, is to lift our hoods and figure out what engine we are. to another episode of The Burn. I am Ben Newman, and you know every single week we work as hard as we possibly can to bring you stories of athletes, entrepreneurs, business professionals, individuals from all walks of life, the military, to help you better identify your burn by understanding what internally drives these individuals, their burn, which ignites why and purpose that causes them to go chase down and attack the necessary action to identify and understand peak performance. Who better to talk about peak performance than Rich Devini, 20 years in the military as a Navy SEAL. He retired as a Navy SEAL commander, 13 deployments, 11 of which were to Iraq and Afghanistan. One of the things that makes Rich amazing, or I find this to be incredibly amazing, the way that I interpret understanding Ridge is that he didn't just settle for the way things were. He was an individual who identified, maybe we can even do things better. So I can't wait to hear the burn behind that, which ended up creating what they called mind gym. It really attacked the emotional, the physical, the mental disciplines that it would take for SEALs to be able to perform in any environment. And now in retirement and, uh, I, I know retirement, I can't say retirement because look how good this guy looks. But in, in retirement, Rich has now gone on to be a speaker. He's written an amazing book called The Attributes. He's actually done work with a couple of my favorites, uh, the Chapman Leadership Institute, which is like three minutes down this way. I grew up with Bob Chapman's son, Kyle, and also Simon Sinek, who is amazing. And I told Rich before I welcomed him, and this is a true statement, He's got a way better resume than Bob Chapman and Simon Sinek. I know those are your buddies, but Rich, it, it is a real honor to uh, welcome you to the burn. Well, thank you, Ben. It's a, it's a, it's an honor to be here, and um, yeah, an honor to talk today. So I'm excited. So help us help us better understand. You know, people see the movies and they hear people talk about the seals, but friends of mine that that are in the seal community, I've always just admired their their strength and their passion to serve there there's just a humble nature in the seal community that i find to be absolutely amazing but every one of those individuals they have a unique burn there's a reason why they decided to go and defend this country so if you're okay i'd love to dive right in and and identify what was it for you that where you said not only am i going to commit but i'm going to commit with the most elite force of the entire world, like the SEALs, to, to give back and, and, and to help us have our freedom? Yeah, it's a great question. I think I, think, um, I certainly um, 
was was a kid who grew up patriotic and I certainly felt like I it would be cool to serve my country. Um, I grew up kind of wanting I grew up wanting to be a pilot. Uh, my brother and I, my twin brother and I, we would go flying with my dad who was a private pilot and kind of got the itch and said, well, you could fly jets in the military, that'd be cool. And so we kind of, and I love the ocean too. So flying in the ocean are my two loves. And so we, to combine flying in the ocean meant flying in the Navy because you could actually land your jets on boats, which sounded really cool too. <laughs> um, and it wasn't until I was in you know high school that I learned about the Navy SEALs and realized, man, these guys are pretty awesome in terms of what they do, where they come from the water, they like live in there, which is cool. And they're also in all the environments. Um, and so I think it was a combination, at least in youth, I would imagine when we're younger people, there's a there's a little bit of and I and I in the in the book, I call it narcissism. Right. I, there's an attribute of narcissism. There's a little bit of just a desire to kind of be a badass in a way. And I think all of my SEAL friends laugh when I say that, because we all know it's true. It's like part of it, it's like you just want to see if you can do something that very few people can do. And, and that's that's part of a burn. Um, but if we take kind of that the, the negativity of narcissism out and kind of deconstruct it back to the elemental aspects, I think my burn comes from this real desire to kind of walk out to my edges and seek my edges, kind of kind of explore my potential because I'm really interested in human potential. And potential is never it's never what is; it's what could be. You know, we we actually never reach our potential. We're always moving towards our potential, right? <laughs> because once we're there, it's like, okay, what's next? And that's what I call kind of our personal edges and, and the, 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 the willingness, the, well, the act of stepping out to your edges is going to require discomfort and uncertainty and usually fear and challenge. And I just like doing it. Um, and I think the SEAL teams was, uh, for me, instead of going to fly, I knew I could probably be a pilot, but I, you know, trying out for the SEAL teams was like, okay, well, this is, this is really seeking my edges and I really am down with that. So here, here's what I find to be unique, and I'm going to push back a little bit, which when there's a screen in between a SEAL commander and you, I could push back. <laughs> I could push back a little bit. But here's what I would say is you say that very naturally. You know, it's the pursuit of once you get there, you keep chasing your potential. That's actually not natural for most. And you and I both know that uh, working in the capacities that we work in. So. What would you say to those individuals who are currently, and I think this is common over this last year, and it's, it's so hard because sometimes, at least for me, the intensity and passion comes out to want people to go chase that potential. Mm -hmm. There's so many people, Rich, they're sitting on the sidelines. They're choosing to not take action right now. And, and I have empathy for everybody has handled this differently. But what's your message for those individuals who maybe they say, okay, I, I've gone far enough for now because of what's happening. Let me wait and see. Or those people who just look at what's going on because of fears, doubts, and uncertainties, and they're choosing to not take action. What's your message for those individuals that are just sitting there on the sideline? Well, first of all, I would say if it's a conscious choice, if it's a conscious choice to say, hey, I'm happy, I'm good, I feel great, I have high well-being, I'm healthy – and I'm good where I'm at. I, I recognize that and I say, great choice. I honor that. Um, but however, if it's, if it's for reasons that are other than that, for example, fear, um, then I would say try to, try to be curious, try to kind of um, implement some natural curiosity because one of the things that drives me is this idea of what could be, what could happen, you know, and that, that usually outweighs 
my fear. Um, but we all have to kind of recognize what fear actually is. Fear is just a combination of anxiety and uncertainty. That's it. Those two things combine. You can have one without the other, and you don't have fear. You could be anxious without being uncertain. That's like you're nervous for a presentation coming up, but you know what it is, and you know what it's going to be. There's nothing uncertain about it. You're just anxious. There's no fear there. You could be uncertain without being anxious. Okay, that's every kid on Christmas Eve. Um, but when you combine the two, fear starts to to um, to bubble up. What we have to recognize is we can control that, right? We can buy down that fear by buying down one or both of those elements. Anxiety can be bought down physiologically because it's a physiological response. Breathing exercise, it's really just, you know, getting our systems back into a state where we can think consciously and make some good decisions. And then uncertainty can be bought down by basically asking yourself about the environment that is uncertain and saying, okay, I'm not going to worry about what I can't control. I'm just going to worry about what I can. So you ask yourself, what about this environment do I understand? And then out of that list, what can I actually control? What can I control? Then you pick the top thing and you move towards that. This is the act of moving towards goals. And anybody who is thinking about a goal and is on the sideline and wondering if they could do it, I would just say, chunk it down to those elements. Take that uncertainty and say, okay, there's a lot about this goal, this, this project that I want to embark upon that I don't understand. What do I understand and what can I take control of right now and what can I move towards? And once you do that, you actually implement a natural dopamine response. You get actually a physiological reward for doing that, which means your body, your physiology is rewarding you for taking that step. And if you do that you know, more and more often, you actually get quite addicted to that <laughs> and this is why this is why you have serial goal achievers or serial goal setters and achievers because they get addicted to this natural process of stepping into these edges and and achieving these goals it's a great feeling once you're into it but the hard the first step is hard and i recognize that well i i absolutely love that answer and i, I would encourage everybody to dive even further to understand the attributes and 25 ways to really dive into being your best go to theattributes.com or just flat out go to amazon and make sure you pick up a copy of the book the attributes <clears throat> rich let's talk a little bit about the creation of mind gym i i find that so fascinating that in a seal community where we really don't know, even though I think a lot of people these days, they want to act like they know what SEALs do. We as civilians, okay, you have no idea what SEALs do, okay? The missions and what they do to give us our freedoms and places they go. I don't even think we as Americans could handle knowing what you all actually take on, which, which I admire. But for you to develop Mind Gym, to say the, the physical, the emotional, all aspects, to prepare for those high-stress environments, to find a way to even do it better. Tell us what that process was like developing that in the SEAL community. Yeah, well, I'll, let me answer the first question first. I'll tell you exactly what SEALs do. SEALs are masters of uncertainty. That is the job, right? The job is to be able to be dropped into environments of deep challenge and uncertainty and to perform, whatever those environments may be. Certainly, there's uh, Hollywood uh, versions and people's uh, kind of a mythology around, you know, shooting and diving and scuba di and, and uh, skydiving and things like that. And that's all part of the job. But that's not the job. The job is to to understand and operate in uncertainty, challenge and stress. To do that takes a lot more than just strength. And when we were looking at uh, kind of our program, we, we we kind of came to the to realization and the acceptance that we were pretty good physically. All of us could run what we needed to run in terms of speed. We could lift what we needed to lift in terms of weights. And so the next leap was really a mental one. Could we take our minds to different, could we, could we really develop a working relationships with our brain 
so that we could better so we could better perform and part of that has to do with our physiology in terms of our nervous system and and the sympathetic parasympathetic response systems that that either are are in in effect when we're in action and kind of draining our system or say parasympathetic when we're actually in recovery mode so so the the ability kind of to proactively switch between those systems and take charge of our physiology using our brains was really the impetus of the mind gym. And it was really, I mean, let's throw a bunch of stuff in this room and against the wall and see what works. I mean, I don't even, I'm not sure where it sits now. I mean, there's things, initiatives like that tend to kind of ebb and flow depending on who's in charge. But certainly when I was in charge of it, we were just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall and seeing what worked. And some guys were, were starting to like it. Um, but again, tough to measure. Tough to measure when we're talking about mental performance. A um, lot, lot easier to measure measure physical performance because you can see how much you benched three months ago and how much you're benching today. But when it comes to mental performance, that's a lot tougher. So that was one of the challenges that we, I'm not sure we ever solved, uh, but certainly still a an issue. So here, here, here's one thing that I, I want to have some fun with. One of my uh, one of my friends, Lieutenant Commander Bob Gassoff, he's actually a character in a book that I wrote uh, called Own Your Success, part of the, the SEAL community. And I, and I had to honor him and all of you SEALs. I mean, it's a, he's an amazing character that I wrote because I just I admire the strength of, of the SEALs and what you all do for this country. But Bob's a former hockey player, so you got to talk to me about this because back to the people sitting on the sidelines and the people who are telling themselves they can't, because I think oftentimes somebody, we say, oh, I can't do something, and we forget. That just came out of your mouth, it went into your ears, and that's what you believe. Right. Bob Gassoff has these big hockey player legs. And I look at Bob, and he tells me the times that he ran in order to qualify to be able to do and all of the testing, I'm a, you're, like, you're like, no way. There's no way you got that body with those hockey legs <laughs> to run like that. So I know a lot of it is these physical blessings and gifts, but how much of it does come down to that mental state when you're pushing and you're given, like you have to run it in this time or you're going to push yourself or we're going to do log PT and we're going to do a, How much of it is mental? I would, I would say, I mean, upwards of 98% of it, I, I would say it's almost nothing, none of the physical gifts, right? I mean, um, Bob would agree with me when I say this is that those folks who showed up with physical gifts often were the first guys who quit, right? Because, because SEAL training is about taking you down to zero and below zero and asking the question, can you still go? Um, it's about, it's about the grit. It's about the grind. It's about, it's about understanding that after my tank is empty, I'm still going to push through and persevere. And so Bob is a perfect example. He did it with big hockey legs. He still did it. He pushed through, he grinded out. It was probably extremely tough for him. Like it's tough for everybody. Um, but those are the guys who make it through because the job is not about, whether or not you can run the fast mile or you can lift the the 300 pound weight or whatever it is. It's about, can you operate and perform in uncertainty, challenge and stress? And so usually the, the, the all-star athletes would show up uh, pretty confident and quit fairly quickly. Uh, and it was the, it was the guys who kind of understood the grind and understood what it looked like to, to, to be at zero and push through and persevere that made it through because um, it doesn't care. Buds doesn't, the SEAL training doesn't care what you did, what sport you were, what grades you got, where you're from, doesn't care how fit it, it just, it, it, it says, can you do this? And, um, and that's the, that's the kind of the magical element. 
Rich, let me let me ask you this this question. Uh, to fi final question. Many people hear this concept of the burn, and I could tell that it read. You knew exactly what I was talking about when when, when we welcomed you to the show. The burn some people struggle with, and, and I don't necessarily know. Is it just fighting going to that place where you might be able to unlock your real potential? But help us understand through the writing of the book, the attributes, right? These attributes, the 25, mm -hmm. understanding them better, will it help that individual who's maybe struggling with this concept of the burn, this deep rooted place where maybe your real potential lies? Tell us what reading the book might help them better understand what this connection to the concept of the burn. Yes, the, the book is going to help because, and again, it was my goal to write a book that's, that was not a SEAL book. It, was about, it wasn't about Navy SEALs. It wasn't about super performers. It was really about the reader. And I think that those who read the book will understand it when, I, when they start reading it. They're like, hey, this is about me. It's not about anybody else. Um, the, the, the attributes are about ourselves and our own engines, right? I always say we are all, we're all human, right? So we kind of use the automobile analogy. We're all autos, we're all cars, okay? But some of us are Jeeps and some of us are Ferraris and some of us are SUVs. Now there's no judgment in that because the Jeep can do things the Ferrari can't do and the, and the Ferrari can do things the Jeep can't do. The key, however, is to lift our hoods and figure out what engine we are because we all show up to the game with specific strengths and weaknesses and specific levels of these attributes. And if we understand those levels, we can then say, wait a second, some of the reason why I'm struggling is because I'm a Jeep that's trying to run on a Ferrari track or I'm a Ferrari trying to run on a Jeep track, which is okay, by the way, because just that knowledge will say, okay, I'm a Jeep that wants to run on a Ferrari track. So what do I need to do to do better on the Ferrari track? Or you say, wait a second, I actually would rather be on the Jeep track, right? Um, so we all have the potential to excel in whatever context we want to excel, um, but we're all designed to excel in certain contexts, right? I mean, listen, I was never a great athlete, and if you put me in the athletic fields, I, I, I'm not that good, right? It's not a context inside of which I excel, but I was a pretty good Navy SEAL, right? So um, so we're, we're, we're superstars in certain contexts, and we're doofuses in other contexts, all of us, right? Um, understanding our attributes will start to give, our, give ourselves our own roadmaps, our own kind of... Um, um, uh, design, you know, of, of our systems to say, okay, wait a second. Now I know where I can excel and where I might struggle. And then I can start making some deliberate choices along those paths. So I think that's what's, what, what a reader will get out of the book. The most will be a kind of a deeply introspective dive into themselves and they'll come out and say, okay, I'm thinking about myself and my performance even more now. And if you're someone in business um, or on team, you can start thinking about your business and your team performance better as well. And, and I know you've done so much work with teams, whether it be leadership at American Airlines to the 49ers to Zoom to Deloitte. I imagine Zoom has needed you a lot because the stress <laughs> of the growth that they've gone over over the last 12 months has probably been pretty extraordinary and uh, something they would have never imagined. But Rich, th this has been a thrill for me. Uh, I just, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate 20 years of service. And, and I know uh, as a Navy SEAL commander in the military, it never really ends. And so I just, I appreciate so much uh, what you've given to this country and what you continue to do. And I appreciate you joining us for the burn. Well, thank you, Ben. I appreciate you having me. And it's great that, to know we have some some mutual connections uh, in St. Louis there. And, um, and it's been a great conversation. So thanks for having me. And thanks for the support. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much, Rich. And for everybody, you know, every week, 
we're bringing you these episodes of The Burn. And at the end, I'll typically say, go get our, our course on the prize fighter day to design your day. Instead, we're taking a different direction. Go to Amazon right now and buy the attributes. For those of you especially that have struggled with this concept of The Burn, Rich has just explained, it's not a Navy SEAL book. It's a book about you. And I think so many of us, to get off that fence of indecision, to get off that sideline, we struggle with just that first action step. And so that's one of the things, if you paid attention, Rich mentioned earlier, you've got to break it down. And at the end of the day, you have to choose to take action. I think the attributes will help you get there. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week on The Burn. This episode of The Burn Podcast is powered by BenNewmanCoaching.com, your number one source for increasing consistency in your life and building the mental toughness habits required to live the life of your dreams. From self-paced courses to live coaching with Ben and everything in between, head over to BenNewmanCoaching.com and join the thousands of members working to unlock their peak performance every day.